All right, what is up, everybody? We are back. We are here with a brand new episode of the Into the Waves podcast. As always, I'm here. I am joined by the legendary co-host, one of the famously known here on the podcast as a the goat, the original goat from episode number one. He's still here, ladies and gentlemen. It's my co-host, Mr. Roberto Carlos. How are you doing this fine afternoon, my good sir? Very good, Sam. Very good. Thank you for... Uh, we're still here, like you said. Uh, episode number 17, and we're still here. We're doing great. Big Thanks, number God. 17. Yes. Thank you. What is your favorite number? My no- favorite number is the number three. Number three? And more specifically, the number even 33. So any variant of the three or the double three. Um, there's a lot of legendary number threes out there in the world. Specifically, I'm talking about Dwayne Wade. He was one of the of my favorites who put me on to the number three. Also, um, it's a very common defending number in soccer. You know, if you're from El Mundo Español, las posiciones, the positions are often referred to in their numerical position, one through 11, one being the goalie. Typically, the three and the four are known as the center backs. Mm, okay. Growing up, I really liked playing defense whenever I tried to play soccer. So that was the main position that I would go to. So you're pretty much a, a defender character, if we can say. Ah, well, the thing is, because I also like the 33, which is more from like the legacy of basketball players. For mm-hmm. example, the great Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan's counterpart. You know Scottie Pippen from the Chicago Bulls? No, Chicago Bulls, yes. He wore the number 33. Um, and one of my favorite players of all time, Ray Allen from the Miami Heat. He also played at the Boston Celtics. Great player. He wore the number 33 as well. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Magic Johnson also mm. wore number 33. So it's just an iconic number. I don't know. It's it's one of my, my go-tos. That's How about good. you? What's your favorite number? My favorite number is uh, I like uh, the 15. 15? 15. I like uh, number also 7. Why? And Why the fifth? Well, fifteen because it's your birthday. Yeah, right? it's my birthday. And uh, number seven, I like it because you know I like it. It's kind of like if I don't want to sound you know, but seven, just a lucky number, I guess. Kind of, kind of, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, any 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 number is cool, but at the end of the day, you grow up. You know, if you played sports or anything like that, you kind of have your go-to number that. I mean, everyone likes to say, what, hey, what I number want that you one. had in your uh, um, east side? Uh, east side career team. was always 33. You, you had the 33 yeah, and that, the uh, east like, side? Anytime I could choose my number, I'd always pick oh, okay. 33. Yeah, that's my favorite number for sports. But overall, it's just the number three. Like, for example, even my email, like for the longest, I still use this oh, email okay. for personal. Has the number three at the end. It's just I, like I was gonna say your password. <laughs> not my passwords. No, that I cannot disclose on the on oh, definitely. over here for sure. People are gonna be like, yeah, let me go and steal whatever this guy has. But I mean, I don't know. I've been kind of sad lately. If any of you guys follow the stock market, you know that it's been pretty tough, man. So I mean, y'all can go steal whatever I have in there. It's going down. I mean, what's anyways. going on? I mean, I mean. I don't know, to be honest, like it, I'll be honest, what they're saying is that obviously because we've entered into a new financial quarter, uh-huh, Okay. there's a lot of reports and a lot of reporting that has come out and the rates of inflation are extremely high right now. 
in almost anything. I'm sure anybody, whatever state you're listening from, especially if you live in California, you've probably felt the impacts of inflation. But it's essentially what people think is that there's a correction coming to the market. So like all of the things that happened in the pandemic and how it really set back most companies now is where we're starting we'll, to see. We'll say like the uh, ripple effects that we're kind of like seeing in the economy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially the gasoline. I mean, it's still still expensive. I think it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. Honestly, I don't think there will be, <laughs> I don't know, like if there's hope out of there for it to recover, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. You know, it, if it took this long or not this long, but we've been in the pandemic for almost two to three years now, right? Three years. If it took three years to get us into this position, you can only think about how long it's going to take for us to, to, to get out. It's anywhere from three times as much to recover. Yeah. You know, this might be the next 10 years that we're dealing with the financial economy. The last time that something like that happened where things just, there was these huge shifts was back in 08, you know, when the market collapsed. I didn't, you can probably speak a lot more about that, but... Did you feel the impacts of inflation back then, similar to how you? I mean, it was kind of different. One of the things I can I can really uh, remember and say when the uh, uh, the houses went down, everybody lost their houses because I mean I remember uh, your mom; uh, she was working in the uh, industry, financial industry, mm -hmm. and how those loans, the balloons, uh, loan people rushed to to buy their houses, and then a few years later boom, it went down. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I know, it's like a cycle. Maybe it repeats certain, you know, years. But, um, you know, I was kind of like, uh, how's the Bitcoin uh, doing? Because I, I, again, for the same reason, like there's so been so much instability in uh, the market okay. that I, a lot of my investments that were in crypto, I pulled them out of crypto. Oh, really? Mainly because, again, I'm 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 not going to say I'm new to investing but I'm not as experienced as someone who's been trading for over 10 years, you know, like as far as their knowledge of the market. I mainly do it as a what they call like a consumer investor. I I follow I'm self-taught when it comes to all of these techniques. I didn't, you know, I'm by no means a expert in stocks or trading. So a lot of my risks that I take like I'm more confident investing in individual companies or like single company stocks, Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, et cetera, things of that nature, or even, um, you know, ETFs and things like that, that are a lot more consolidated and that are a bit more safer. Uh, typically the consensus amongst anybody who does stocks is that a single stock from a company is a lot more stable than cryptocurrency, especially because cryptocurrency is so new. Like there's new coins being built every single day you can go and find a new cryptocurrency project so i don't know yeah you know the other day i don't know if you know uh, one of my friends his name is uh, david it's a david ufana the guy who does oh, the oh uh, yeah he's a local the, entrepreneur around yeah here. who does the uh, banners yeah locally. he's a print, print shop service it's a print shop service and the other what's day, his company's his name um I don't rem I don't remember right now the name, but he's he, he does uh, banners. Shout out to local rapping. businesses yeah. here in the Bay Area, based out of Concord, uh, he's in, no? uh, he's at uh, Oakland. Oakland, so yeah, yeah. you know, if very you're, good, very good uh, prices. Um, you get can us get up. It. We can send you, you the info. You can get the banner. <laughs> like I, I uh, the other day, I sent him in the file. Let's say uh, Thursday, and I pick it up on Monday. 
And uh, I haven't seen him for almost two years because of the pandemic. Sheesh. And, uh, you know, we were talking and he mentioned that to me that, that you know, even the big business went down because he started doing the uh, wrapping with the uh, car train, uh, you know, when it is wow. an event. That's 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 what he's doing now with his brother. Vinyl wrapping? Vinyl wrapping in the cars and the buses. That's a really good business. Oh, no, definitely. So, you know, he was telling me, you know, how you doing? I said, good. And and I asked him, what are you doing now? Kind of like, you know, to really sustain your business. business. He said, you know what? I'm doing the Bitcoin investment. I said, really? Like, you know, and yeah, he said, I I bought a a bot that in the computer by itself do the invest, you know, the investing for me. And he was telling me that he gains almost, what, 200, uh, 300 a day just doing that. Wow. And it's pretty I, good. I mean, like, and I said, really? I said, yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's not been bad. And I, and I asked him, you know, I mean, what, what else did, and, and I asked him, what do you, what do you want to do? Well, I need to invest more money to gain more and the Bitcoin. And he said, but you have to also know when to pull out your money and when to invest so you know, I was curious. That's why. That's why I was asking you, how's the Bitcoin? Yeah, you know, I mean, thing. A lot of people are doing right that. now. Everything is pretty much in the red, on on all accounts. Crypto, stocks, mm-hmm. everything is down right now. So, it's a good time if you're looking to get into the market. Really good sales <laughs> on a bunch of like your more popular stocks. What like, about the cars? The electric cars. Uh, the stocks or the actual cars themselves? The actual cars, kind of like yeah, people are, I guess, you know, trying to move from gasoline to the electric. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just going to be the trend for the next couple of years. Everyone eventually is going to end yeah. up driving an electric car. That's just the future, you know? Like when you think about seeing Star Wars and watching all these futuristic movies, you don't really see gas cars or like you see more innovative, quote-unquote, clean technology, I guess. And that's that's Tesla's big thing. It you is. Know, like, all about clean, renewable yeah. energy. Elon has come out saying that, you know, the amount of emissions that electric vehicles save and how their benefits to the overall global environment is literally, like, unprecedented. So everyone should be driving electric is kind of the the overall consensus. I'm sure eventually within, I don't know, 20 years, I don't know if there will be many gas cars. Well, lately, I think, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we are back to uh, freeways. So, you know, busy in any time of the week. I think that's a California thing, honestly, because you talk, I talk to like people from different states and stuff like mm, that. Like, okay. for example, Oregon, I have a couple friends in Oregon that they don't deal with traffic or they don't deal with some of the stuff that we deal with here in Cali. Um, I know Texas. It's pretty bad with traffic. Really? A lot of influencers, like on Instagram, um, specifically in like the fitness space, are currently from Houston, like in that area, and they claim that traffic is pretty bad over there. I think Atlanta, too. Atlanta, yes. Mainly, I guess, urban. You know, like here we have San Francisco, we have San Jose, so it's like, bruh. Especially when there is games. Even worse, I get like because you get you don't you not only you get all the demographics on that day, you get all the local you know people who are sports fans are typically. I'm not saying this generally, but typically you know you get more families going to sports games. Then so the road is filled with the families. Then it's also filled with the tech guys coming home from work, driving all the way to. They probably live in Redwood City, live in Palo Alto, but work in San Francisco, work in San Jose. 
it's just a whole plethora of people coming and so it's pretty bad the roads i personally have a pretty long commute on a on an average work day about 15 miles one way so total about 30 mile commute. without traffic or tr with traffic that's just the distance it depends also with, right yeah the, I, mean, I don't even want to say the timing because it varies some days it could be 30 minutes some day it could be an hour and yeah. 30 minutes so but distance wise it's like about you know it's still a pretty far distance 15 miles so that's a good time to listen the podcast oh yeah <laughs> that's perfect for me i you know do my do my homework too during those times you know research study check out other podcasts what you're driving not like obviously I mean, if it's something yeah, that like i need to be typing or writing then i'll you know i can't do that while i'm driving yeah, yeah. but at least engaging with content and just learning it's one of the most it's not part of my daily routine but every day i try to listen to like at least one podcast just because even not if it's our podcast because once I listen to our podcast, then what? I got to keep listening to other stuff. So, um, But I really do enjoy them. It's something that I make part of my daily routine, part of my daily habit. And I encourage you guys to keep yeah. checking out. You know, don't always spend your time on YouTube. Don't always spend your time on Netflix. Spend some time. Use your phone for good, you know. <laughs> Educate yourself a little bit. Get some knowledge in your brain. Especially nowadays, there's such a variety of breadth of knowledge. Definitely. You Definitely. can learn anything yes definitely anything with the technology we have i mean you have the audiobooks you have everything that you really can uh, you know take advantage of your time and you know keep learning one of the um uh, my brother uh, was talking with him uh, last week and said you know we have a good mentors we have uh you know audiobooks digital books because he was asking me, hey, can you give me a, an iPad? An iPad? <laughs> he was telling me, hey, give me an iPad. I said, why you need an iPad? Oh, because I want to kind of like read books. He said, you know, oh, sounds good. So, you know, that's yeah. what it is. So what we have for today, podcast. I don't know. Looks like we have, we ran out of ideas for this podcast oh. or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm just kidding. You know, we're coming off a pretty busy week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast from last week with our guest, Sister Norma. Big shout out. If she's listening, you did a great job, sister. But yeah, I think, you know, we're going to start to continue to bring new, new ideas, new people, new faces. Maybe not faces because you can't see them. So if they're ugly or not, who knows? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm probably the one of the uglier ones here. But basically, we're, we have a whole bunch of new plans, a whole bunch of new ideas. And we have some exciting content that we've been trying to develop. You know, we're trying to really pinpoint the direction that we're trying to take. And we're I'll be honest, guys, there's a lot. We see this as a potential for a lot of growth. It's something that, you know first started as a passion as something that i was extremely interested in but over time and for it's been growing on me for a couple of years and so you know we're taking this we're taking this pretty seriously and we love our community that we've developed here with the into the waves family and i i think that it is let us know if it's been benefiting you or not <laughs> if it hasn't <laughs> then you know what we quit and maybe we should go try doing something else but i like it I don't know yeah. if you have shared when how how when this uh, into the way podcast was birthed in your your heart and your mind. I mean, I've kind of like here and there, I guess, hinted at it throughout different parts in the podcast. But 
I, it's no surprise. I, I say this a lot. I'm, I shout out his podcast a lot. But uh, I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast, honestly. Okay. It was one of the first podcasts in general that I could, I guess I would say that I consistently started listening to, to where I was like, huh, this guy makes a podcast every week or sometimes two, three episodes a week. And it just fascinated me that this concept of that this guy who is, you know, he's a mixed martial arts commentary. He's a stand-up comedian. He is a, you know, an actor, a personality. But yet another one of his areas of interest and that he would choose to spend a lot of his time in was making these podcasts and i was like huh how can someone who in my opinion like is successful as far as the the way they've impacted their communities the amount of followings that that he's gained and just the amount of support in his community i was like huh i i mean if that's something that people can make a passion out of then it sounds like that's super cool that's something super interesting to me it has to do with audio. That was kind of like my thought process. So I was like, Mike. So it was easy for you. It was easy. It was kind of like. A, to it. Yeah. So I was like, it's not a foreign concept to me. And so I just kept listening to, to his podcast for about, it was mainly in the pandemic. I'm not going to lie. Like where I just ha would have a lot more free time on my hands or sometimes um, at the job where I was working, since it was at one point the pandemic was pretty bad here in California things were shut down so like our whole store was empty where when I was working in in the corporate world and so like I would just have my headphones on and I'd be walking around doing my tasks and so like podcasts are great because I discovered specifically the format that Rogan pioneered these long format where they're like two hours three hours plus and it, I just liked it I really enjoyed it like the style of content just that whole conversational flow so it inspired me to think hey maybe one day I can make one of these and so that just thought just kept brewing in me but I never really did anything I never said hey I'm gonna start recording or hey I'm gonna do this um, but then during the pandemic I actually was working with a client who he ended up um, asking, hey, what does it take to produce a podcast? Mm -hmm. And it was something that I, it was, it was, he was curious in it. We really had never shared that we were both curious in it, but I told him, honestly, this is what it takes. And I, you know, I went and I did some research. I bought a couple like PDFs, some books on like how to start a biz, a podcast business and things like that. And so, I essentially launched his business for him. And after seeing that, like, hey, you know what? I'm actually, I'm basically producing a podcast for one of my clients. What is stopping me from producing one for myself? That was the thought. And I realized that, you know what? I'm just going to start doing it in addition to, you know, also producing their podcast. So that's kind of what the little long story short of what got me here. But it was just honestly... If that if this is a motivator to anybody, it's just you just got to go out and do it. You know, like just get it done, get it started. I I liked it podcast. I've I listen to podcast every day, and now I guess I could say I have one. You know, so it's like, or we have one here with our community. So it's like, if there's an idea in your heart, if there's an idea in your brain, all it really takes is you going on Google, <laughs> that simple, and being like, <laughs> yeah, how to yeah. blank. It's that simple. Yeah, like it is. That that's what I started. I, I didn't know anything about podcast distribution. I didn't know anything about RSS feeds, which now with time you learn what you need to establish a successful podcast. I still don't know that much about social media marketing and engagement, but it's like you learn as you go. And so that's kind of what 
you know, started this whole journey. So there is an open position for anybody can help us on the social media marketing. I mean, yeah, we're looking for, the team is always growing. You know, we're always expanding different positions. So if, you know, you feel like you're called to help and grow a business and you feel like you have assets and something to provide to the team, shoot us an email at this is the way or somos waves at gmail.com. That's, that's our contact that's, that, info. That's the uh, email for they, they waves contact. music. Yep. So if you guys have any interest, you know, send us an invite or send us a DM on Instagram. I'm always posting for so, my personal account. So it's account. easy to get the whole of you uh, through Instagram. Yeah. Instagram okay. is, um, it's a super powerful tool. I've been using it for yeah, years, definitely. ever yeah. since it came yeah. out. Um, one of my favorite formats of social media. I use that. I probably, I don't use Facebook too much. I'll be honest. It's just not for me or not Facebook meta or whatever. It's still called Facebook. I don't, <laughs> I don't use it, yeah. but yeah, Instagram is kind of the main format that, that we, that I choose to Again, engage I, on. I, I think it depends on uh, the people you're trying to reach because Facebook is kind of like for older people probably. And then Instagram for social media is a, is a trap, man. I mean, I think it's funny because I was reading this post from a, from one of the like worship leaders that I look up to. And he was just reflecting recently on how oftentimes we get so consumed in who is following us. Mm, okay. At what time of day should we post? Mm -hmm. How many likes did my post get? And at the end of the day, I argue that if we're to ask Mark Zuckerberg, if we're to ask any of the people who founded these social media companies, hey, what was the purpose of Instagram yeah. when you first started? I don't think it's what it's evolved into as far as keeping track of algorithms, trying to match and create content to, oh, I need to be the next big viral thing. I genuinely believe that it was designed for simply to you, for you to post what you like, for you to share what you think is cool, for you to share what you think is fun, what you think is interesting, regardless of who's liking it, regardless of who's looking at it. And so <clears throat> that's kind of the approach that I've been taking with social media lately. I would say in the past, I was a lot more like, oh, the numbers, the metrics and all that sort of thing. These days, I just, whatever I think is cool, I throw it up there. I love the podcast. So I'm, I'm always promoting the podcast every Friday, brand new episode drop in try to make the content a little bit engaging on there. I don't know, post like a cool picture or something. But for me, that's kind of my approach with social media these days. And I don't know if any of you guys listening might feel the same way or I know there might be some of you guys listening who are the opposite. You're like, yeah, no, it's probably. all about algorithms. It's all yeah. about tracking. And that's cool too. Yeah. If you guys have knowledge, I mean, share with us. Help us grow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At yes, the yes. end of the day, we're trying to get the message out to as many people as possible and one thing, you know, we don't really have that many asks. I, I, I don't like to ask that many things of people. So, you know, we never expect anything from anyone here on the podcast. But if you feel like, you know, it shares and you feel like it's something that has been benefiting your life, share it with someone you know. You know, they might benefit from it too. You don't, you never know where, how this might reach them, how it might impact them. But, you know, if that's something that, We've been benefiting you. If you feel like we're not annoying you guys after 17 episodes, then, hey, we're going to still be here. We want to say hello to our regular listeners because we have regular listeners. We do. Yeah, we have about, you know, a crew of people who's been supporting us, who's been consistent. So thank you to you guys for continuing to show that love, show the support. It means a lot to us. You know, we're here every week thinking, strategizing. We talk a lot. Like, if you guys think our podcasts are long... 
we talk a lot more than than just what we get to share here on the podcast when we have time to. And it's not easy. Yeah. I guess they, uh, you know, it's not easy to bring, you know, a podcast like this type. It takes time. It takes time. It takes preparation. Yeah. And we like to take it seriously, you know, and we like to bring you guys information that's relevant, that is benefiting you in any sort of way. And so we just encourage you guys to share it with anyone who you guys yeah, think might definitely. benefit from it. But that being said, you know, we're going to jump right in straight into the topic of today's episode. We're talking about, you know, we've been wrapping up this sort of flow that we've been going in. Last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about the Queen Esther. We took a little bit of a detour, obviously, in honor of all of our mothers that we were celebrating. A little special episode there for you guys or any of our female audience. We, we want to know that you guys are you guys are awesome. You guys are loved. So we just wanted to show a little bit of support, love there. But kind of this week, we're going to return a little bit back into our chronological order that we were following prior to that episode when we, if you guys remember, we left off the story of Joseph. Yeah. You know, and how it was at the end, literally the last chapter, Genesis 50, the end of the first book of the Bible. And so we're actually going to pick up the story today on literally the book that follows directly after that. And if you know... The order of the Bible, you know that it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And those are known as the first five books of the Bible. They're often called the books of the law. They're always, always, always grouped together, specifically because of the cultural significance that they play to not only the Christian faith, but more specifically, the Jewish faith. And so we're talking about one of the most important figures in the entire Jewish faith. I know that's a title that we say a lot on this podcast, but it's because we talk about the greats. We talk about literally the, as we often refer to them here, MVPs or, you know, whatever the the goats of the Bible are. Today we're talking about for sure, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many, many, many people, arguably one of the most influential, if not the most influential leaders within the entire Bible. Would you say that that's a fair label to put on him? It is. Even um, Jesus, uh, he he recognized the uh, this guy, this guy really. So even even the yeah the mightiest of all of them, yeah. the the greatest, the literal son of God, recognized the calling and the function that this specific individual carried out to the point where he is regarded as in Jesus's eyes even the greatest prophet of all yeah. time, and that is none other than Mr. Moshe. Moshe. Moshe? It's his Hebrew name. It's not Moses? I mean, that's his English name. Okay. That's his... Uh, but, but the Hebrew is Moshe. 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 M-O-S-H-A. Moshe. Let us know if this mic sounds a bit weird. I don't know why. Oh, it sounds good. I keep hearing it weird for some reason, but it might just be me and my weird brain. But we're talking about Moses, guys. We're talking about literally... The, the quote-unquote liberator of mm -hmm. the Hebrew people. There's countless movies. There's countless books, countless stories, countless pictures, countless, yeah. countless anything. I can go on and on and on about this guy because he is probably, if not after Jesus, the second most popular recognizable figure in the entire Bible. You know, his dramatic moment at the Red Sea, you know, that whole says that the seas physically split open in front of this guy. And so we're going to get a little bit into his story. We're going to get a little bit into the background of it. And 
we've chosen to break up this episode into, I mean, this, this, his life, because trust me, we're going to get into some real, real deep truths with Moses about how we can apply some of the, really, we're going to try and break down the mindset of this character. We're going to try and really get into the waves, obviously, a little play on words there with what what made his mindset so unique? Why is Moses considered, even by Jesus, one of the most influential people of all time? Why? You know, why are there countless, countless movies? Why are there countless things? It's not just because of what he did, but reality, and as we spend time, you know, studying this week and preparing, we've dived into the truths that there's some mysteries within Moses's life that actually give a lot of insight into our life and how that might be valuable. So that's what we're going to spend time breaking down today. My co-host is over here being extremely quiet today. He's he's kind of just sitting along, I guess, for the journey. Do you want me to share the story with you today too? Even though <laughs> he's the pastor, the resident pastor here. But I don't know, what's your thoughts on Moses in your career of over 25 years? I'm sure you've preached countless sermons on him. I'm sure you've what are your Allah, thoughts Allah. on him? I mean, Moses for me is somebody that I really uh, look at into a leadership. It's a character that I really kind of like, you know, identify in some of his characteristics as a, as a man, as a leader, that I always kind of like go back. And uh, I remember when I was a little kid, when, when you know, the first uh, impression that I had when they said Moses, Moises, it was the uh, the las las diez plagas, the mm. the ten. Uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. That was kind of like for me, kind of like in the sense of scary. Yeah, kind of like you know, the the water turning into blood and a different time. So for me, Moses is like you said. Even Jesus recognized his leadership, and we're gonna see throughout this podcast, throughout this journey, that we're gonna see. But most of us, I think. If we can say what we can really apply in, in 22, why Moses is so important? That's at the end, that's, that's our mission, that's our purpose. And for me, yes. Throughout I, like your time as a, as a, you know, preparing sermons and when you've taught on Moses before, what's been some of the things that have stood out from his For from me, his life? I guess for me, one of the things was his calling. Okay. When he had the encounter with the uh, burning bush. We'll talk about that, that. that part. That's kind of your favorite. That's kind of like because when I when I talk about Moses, when I see Moses, I break it into three parts. Mm. Three, the first his phases. His, you yeah, could the say? three phases. Yes, okay. his, because he lived, let's say, uh, eighty years. We can say. Did he live eighty years? Kind of like I break it into the his first from when he when he one to forty. And then from 40 to 60, and then Zero to 60 to, to 40, 80. Yes. technically. Kind of like, yeah. So it's three phases in Moses' life. When, you know, he grew up, and then when he was in the desert, when he received his calling, and at the end, all his journey in the desert, trying to get the people of Israel to take them to, to the promised land. It's kind of like, for me, that's the way I simplify the life of Moses in yeah. three parts. And I think a lot of people might, have that kind of same perception even your whole business that you created in the pandemic is inspired by this character right so even in your life it's oh like yeah oh i mean you're talking about mana mana from heaven yeah oh yeah definitely for me that story is it's a moses story yes it's, it, i got so inspired uh 
during the pandemic when I kind of like I had in my spirit to bring uh, manna from heaven. It was like a, it's like a daily devotional, kind of like going back to read the Bible in like a, a small, short format. And I got it from the life of Moses. From this book? He, he inspired the me. the book of Exodus. Yeah, he inspired me to, to, to bring that. Because uh, the, the people of Israel, they were going in a journey throughout the desert. And they, you know, they were asking to Moses, hey, you know, we want to eat. And that's when God sent the, the manna. And that's kind of like for me, it was kind of like I saw it clearly that today we need to receive, you know, the word of God daily. Yeah. Sometimes we don't take a time to open our Bible. Sometimes we don't, we are so focused on other things. And for me, it's like if, if early in the morning you can read at least one verse, two verse of the Bible that can hold you for the rest of the day. That's the way kind of like I see it. Sometimes I, I heard it phrased this way and I thought it was interesting. Oftentimes a lot of you go to the medicine cabinet when you are displaying symptoms for your sickness. Hey, you have a headache, you go and take, you know, Advil. Oh, my back's hurting. You know, you take some ibuprofen, whatever. But rarely do we see the focus on vitamins or like prevention and taking, you know, supplements to help you reach that point to not only go to the medicine cabinet when you're sick, but to make it a habit to promote your health that prevents you from getting sick. And so with the word, it's the same way, you know, you got to continue to stay in it. You got to continue to, it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't necessarily no. need to be you going and performing an entire medical procedure every time. It could be as simple as taking your vitamins. You know, you choose to spend some time focused on this. Trust me, it'll have a very, very powerful impact on your life and your mindset will be a little bit healthier. And, there's powerful tools like what we have here with the podcast, and there's so many other countless resources that have made the word accessible to us in this generation, such like things like Manadel, My Mana from Heaven. And I heaven. think you receive it every day, right? I do, yeah. yeah okay. I'm subscribed to, yeah. to, you know, luckily through technology, it's made very accessible to us. So there's so many ways to continue to stay in the word. but In, in any way have helped you to receive every day, like uh, even this is small, but... It's kind of like it's helpful because it gives you somewhere to start. Okay, you know it gives yeah. you if you don't know where to start, start there. You know, and it's something eventually you pique your interest. It's like when you start working out. If anyone who knows about working out, when you first show up, you can only move the bar, but then you fall in love with it. You get passionate about it. And you're like, you know what? I want to throw more weight. I want to see. I want to push myself. It's the same way with. You know, something like reading the Bible or even just choosing to make your priority in that relationship with God. It's like a muscle. You got to practice it in order to develop it. And, you know, I think that that's one thing that has helped me a lot throughout this pandemic and throughout this time where we've been diving into it that I start to really identify a lot with the characters that we've been studying and the characters that we've been analyzing. And specifically, you know, we're talking about Moses and how you said, why does it matter? Why is it even important? Why should I care? Why should I care about any of these people? And the truth is because the knowledge that we can find in the way that they live their lives, although it might seem like it's, you know, old, it might seem like it's I don't know. Sometimes it, people try to label it as mystical. If you've ever heard... Like of, a big guys, huh? If you've ever heard of preaching so about Moses, you're like, oh, Moses. <laughs> yeah. The, like you said, the plagues, the blood of sea, the, the Red Sea, like it's so mystical and so fantastic. It's awesome. 
But sometimes we're here and we're surrounded by iPads, we're surrounded by laptops, and we really ask ourselves, man, like, does this, I'm not in Egypt, you know, I'm not surrounded by sand. <laughs> so it's like, how do I really connect I'm with this I'm not facing stuff? the Red Sea. I'm not facing the Ocean Pacific. Uh, it's like, I'm not going up to a mountain and I'm, you know, having an encounter with the burning bush, yeah. but yet somehow there's something within this guy that someone like Jesus years later was able to point to him and be like, yo, there's wisdom here to gain. And so like, even in the Jewish faith, the way that they perceive this character as Moses is to them, he's on one step away from God, basically. Yeah. And so we're going to dive into that story. Specifically, it starts in Exodus chapter two. If you read Exodus chapter one, it gives us a little bit of context as to sort of the lay of the land at the time. You might ask yourself, what happened? What? Why is it that when Joseph, when we ended ex, uh, Genesis, it was all good, it was all nice, it was fine and dandy, but then all of a sudden, Exodus chapter one, and it titled The Israelites Oppressed. And if we follow into that timeline of what happened, you know, remember we were talking about this whole time that was being spent with Joseph and then with Daniel and how that led to exile. And so we know that the nation of Israel spent a time period where they were removed from Israel and spent this essentially this time period known as the exilic time period in which the nation of Israel was constantly in a state of disarray. There was no true homeland. There was no true territory that belonged to them, or rather they were exiled. And fittingly enough, you know, we've been talking about the theme of exile with Daniel, with Joseph, but now kind of zoom out a little bit, and it's not just one people or one person. It's an entire nation. Entire nation, yes. In this case, it's the Jewish nation yes. that is um, currently the nation of Israel, right? And so they're being oppressed by a much more powerful group of people. In this case, it's the Egyptian empire, the empire of the Egyptians. And so it's funny because, you know, you think about it, what Egypt represents, and we talked about it with Joseph's story, how God took what the enemy meant for evil but turned it for good. In this case, Joseph was promoted within the ranks of the Egyptian government. This is not the same Egyptian government. This is a completely different one under the rule of an entirely different pharaoh. So they're not as friendly to the people of Hebrew. If anything, they're threatened by them. They see them as a threat. And so the context of which in Moses is born, if you've seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, you might remember that iconic scene where um, basically it's described to us in Exodus chapter 2, where it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, 
Go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So here we see this story, this little crazy scene, you know. If you can imagine what's going on, why are they throwing the baby down the river? Why, why are they getting rid of him? As we mentioned, you know, if you go back and read a little bit of chapter one, there was a verdict it stated by the Pharaoh, which said that every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but you must let every girl live. And so that's why Moses is born into this context. And his mother obeyed. She literally threw him into the Nile, but she threw him into the Nile with a basket. She was a little bit smarter and she perceived that he was had something in him. You know, the, it says that when the mom saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So even from that initial moment, we see that God was already marking Moses with a specific purpose. He was not an ordinary child. He could have been a normal child but it says that he was fine. And so that little note there lets us know that he was already had something interesting. He had something that make, made him different than that. And it's funny because it says that he is placed in a basket, you know, something like an, in this case, the word basket is often represented to be in the Hebrew, like an ark. And there's only one other time where the word ark is used in the Bible. And if you know the story, it's with Noah and his ark and how the story of Noah goes that God called him to be and to choose a remnant to save from society and that through him all the generations of the earth will be blessed obviously Noah and his family took the ark survived the flood here we see a parallel with Moses he was placed in an ark and cast into the river in other words being the only one saved from an entire generation that was lost all the other baby boys who were born during that time period, sadly, they passed away. And it just gives us a little bit of shadows even forward into the New Testament where there's a similar story mm, yeah. in the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus, yeah. You know, so we just see these shadows of how always we talk about this. The Old Testament and the New Testament are extremely connected. But, you know, just keep that in the back of your head as we continue to read. But what a powerful story. You know, there's a commandment being made that all the kids are to die, but yet by this divine, by this, you know, you might label it a miracle or a coincidence. Obviously, we know that there are no coincidences in the kingdom. God was already marking, you know, Moses as being unique. He was extremely unique. And so he gets that name, Moses. Uh, one of the things I was, uh, when I was reading this, um, I noticed that when, when remember when Joseph said what they meant to be evil, mm, yeah. the, the Lord worked for good. So here we see all the Pharaoh saying, you know, throw all the, the, the boy child into the Nile, into the water. Now we see that Moses' mom throw it into the, to the river. Now, it was a different situation. Through the Nile, he got saved. Mm. That's it's a different kind of like, you know, perspective. Yeah. I was, also I was noticed that. Shadowing from yes. the whole thing of Genesis and yes. the whole role that, you know, Moses eventually is also like shadowing the same thing that comes from, you know, the story of Joseph, the story of Daniel. But we see this evidence of the pattern repeating of exile essentially moses is being removed from his family 
Joseph at one point was removed from his family. Daniel was removed from his family. But all of that stemming back to the original form of exile, which was the garden. When Adam and Eve fall, they're exiled out of the garden. So this constant, you know, God is the same. He's trying to relate to humanity, but he continues to have to go through this exile to push them, to have them discover something, to, in other words, reveal himself through the struggle is kind of the approach that that he continues to take. But it's interesting because it says that when he grew older, then he was brought into the palace and he was then made the son of the queen, of the pharaoh. And so in other words, we know that he was raised as an Egyptian. He was raised within the royal courts. He was raised to essentially be a prince. So he became a prince. Became a prince. Yeah. And, you know, just for context, we know that the author of the first five books of the Bible, as we mentioned, the books of the law, the author of them is Moses. He is the one who's telling us this story. So anything that he chooses to include or not include it's his own story. Mm-hmm. And here we start to see that he, he uh, instead of focusing on what he what he learned in the time while he was in the Pharaoh's court, it completely skips ahead. There's a there's a giant fast forward when we go from Exodus chapter 10 and we go straight into 11. It says one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. So there's this time jump Moses, instead of saying like, oh, what what matters, he's basically trying to get us to see what matters in my life is not that. I included what you needed to know, which was that the context in which I was born was not a great context. Yeah. Additionally, he even chooses to include his parentage. If you If we read the first verse, it says that it was a man of the tribe of Levi who then married a Levite woman. And so that's important because he's choosing to give us his background. He's choosing to give us his culture. He's choosing to tell us only what we need to know, but at the same time, still making himself a relatable character. It's a kid who, by no luck of his own, he was born into an environment that he had no decision over. He had no control over not being raised with his family. He simply was born in a time period where there was a literally a law that said, hey, you should be dead, you know? And if that's not relatable to us, who knows? You might have grown up in one of the worst neighborhoods in the area. Like for a long time here in the Bay Area, we had what was known as the death capital of the world. In our background neighborhood, we had East Palo Alto. East Palo Alto, yes. You know? As uh, Sister uh, Norma was sharing right. with us, remember in the last podcast about Esther, that how she grew in that area. And that's another similarity. Again, we see with a lot of these characters is that they're always born into these term, uh, tumultuous situations. Situation, those times. They're not poster childs. They're not gold food. They're not sped with the gold spoon. In this case, he might have, right? Because he was born in the palace and he was raised to the statue of a prince. But it was only because of the condition in his context, you know? There we see a clear example of everything that the enemy meant for evil. God turned it for good because the Pharaoh's wife even was financially blessing them for raising Moses. So you see, you know, that same Abrahamic covenant being introduced and established in the life of Moses. And, you know, you ask yourself, why? That's kind of my question that I was asking. I was like, okay, Moses, you're the one who chose to write this story. 
what are you trying to get us to really understand here, right? And the story continues. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. And, you know, here it says that he watched his own people. Something that I was always wondering, that I asked myself, that I asked off podcast was, how did he know that these were his own people? You know, and you, you broke that down for me in a very simple way to understand that I think might be helpful for, for our listeners. Well, the way is remember that he he grew up, uh, the, the daughter's pharaoh, she could not take the baby to the palace right there in the moment because it was the pharaoh was looking to kill all the kids. So she said, you know, can you take care of it? I will pay. So the first year she, he grew up, in the, in the uh, Jewish culture. And now we see, and he jumped right there in verse 11. It says, one day after Moses had grew up. So for him, he's telling us, you know what? That part doesn't matter. What matters is right now what is about to happen. So that's kind of like we see that he he knew his people. He he Even that he was a prince, even if he, he lived in the palace. He knew where his culture yes. was. That's interesting because... I guess kind of like every morning he looked at the window and was looking, where is my brothers? Where is our, my people? Maybe, you know, he was in the palace. Yes. You, that's only a speculation. Yeah. We don't know what he was thinking at the time. But you can only imagine someone who at this point knows that that's his people. He can, in other words, say... That's my culture. That's my. That's where I came from. But yet he's being, not forced, but he is currently existing in the role of a prince. His identity at that moment is not fully aligned with his background. His identity is being defined by the culture. He was completely stripped from his family, but he is existing in this context. And so, you know, one day he says that he goes out and he's watching them in their hard labor. And it says that he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Funny there, you know, we know that this is Moses writing it. So he's choosing to add that little note, one of his own people. So he's emphasizing and grabbing our attention to focus on the, the conflict. The central conflict here is that Moses identified with this group of people. He saw them. He recognized them. He was able to, although he was a prince, and you would think, oh, a prince should only care about princely duties, only care about, you know, pleasing the Pharaoh, being getting ready to be the next king. We see here that Moses was a little bit unique. He was a little bit of a weird character in that sense. He had always an eye to recognize not only Egyptians, but he was recognizing Hebrews. And the context of this is they were slaves. So in other words, we see a prince recognizing the slaves and he himself saying, I am one of those people. It's, a, it's an extremely unique posture. It's, it was a tough position, I think. You don't see Joseph do that. No. Even though Joseph was also promoted into the office of the Pharaoh, you don't see Daniel do it. You know, there's always an assimilation to the culture in which they take it and it becomes part of their identity. Whereas here, it was only part of Moses' identity legally. Because again, there was a physical edict that said that he should not be alive. So it's funny because although he is existing in that culture of Egypt, 
he himself internally doesn't mm. feel like he fits in. It's a beautiful, beautiful it's, picture the way a, you just put it. You know? It, it was not about his position being as a prince. No. It's what he had inside. Because his, his true identity. He's choosing to say one of his own people, mm -hmm. meaning that the Egyptians were not his own people, mm. but that he identified with the slaves. That's an interesting mindset that Moses carried. A prince with the mindset of a slave. Interesting, because look at what it says, verse, verse 12. He says, after he saw the Egyptian beating the Hebrew, verse 12 says, looking this way and that and seeing no one. So our boy Moses kind of is like, is anyone looking at me? Is anyone watching? It says, he killed the Egyptian wow. and hid him mm. in the sand. Holy snap. Our boy's a murderer. Wow. He committed murder. <laughs> Why did he commit murder, though? Because he saw an injustice. Injustice. He saw one man beating his slave. And within him, he identified with the slave. He calls one of the slaves his own people. And so his that rises up something in him to go and kill the Egyptian, the one oppressing the slave and he didn't have to kill pretty much the uh, the egyptian because he was a prince he he was he was he, an had, authority. An authority, he had authority yeah. so he, he couldn't say hey stop but look at that the the um, the emotion the impulsive went to kill him and, and additionally he also had no authority to kill another person That's there was thing. no there a pharaoh could because a pharaoh is a king but he was a prince In other words, there was nothing legally that allowed him to do that, nor was there any, God didn't tell him to go and kill him. It's not like in that moment, you, it says, and the spirit of God showed up and said, hey, <laughs> yeah, go yeah, and yeah. kill. Go and kill the enemy. It's something yeah. within him. Mm. It's an internal conflict, which then leads him to do what? It leads him to hide. We see that same pattern of like when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they commit their fall, when they quote unquote sin, It says that they hid. Here we see beautiful parallels to Genesis in the fall, Genesis chapter three. Even three. we have said before that they took the, the matters of their, with their own hands. Moses here taking matters into his own hands. His own hands. Quote, unquote, what he saw as good. Because in this case, though, he saw what was evil and did what he thought was good, right? And look at what happens, right? It, it, it leads him into hiding. He hides him in the sand. And verse 13 says, the next day he went out. So now this is a whole, the whole, a one whole day after. So the, the whole scene with the Egyptian and the Hebrew went down. But now look, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. So now it's quote unquote. His own people. His own people, right? He's dealing now with his, his ident with who, the people who he identifies with. And so he says, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? So they were fighting. They were beefing. Yeah. They were chunking it. They were they were hitting each other. Who knows? And so he says, why? Are you, hey, 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 break it up. Break it up, guys. What's going on? Verse 14, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? <laughs> you know, like it's, he's like, hey, who, whose boss are you, bro? Like you have no authority here, basically, is what he was telling him. Uh, of course, if we assume his position, he technically didn't. He was just a prince. Anybody who had authority would be one of Pharaoh's officials, but not him. And so even those Jews are like, bro, who are you? And so he says, and he responds, are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Mm. Boom. So now we know 
here that even though Moses looked and saw, hey, is anybody watching me? Yeah. That was so, people so, watching. It, it was somebody was watching pretty much what he did. Exactly. So there immediately you can only think, oh, snap. Look at what happens. It says, then Moses was afraid and thought what I did must have become known. No. Wow. Boom. Right there. His own people exposed him for for what what he was going on there but more importantly it's a confrontation with something unique he wasn't confronted by an egyptian he was confronted by his own people in other words when he killed the egyptian he thought that what he was doing was upholding justice but even in the eyes of his own brothers what they labeled was that that was wrong too yeah you tried to quote unquote uphold what you thought was right but in reality what you did was wrong. You killed. You sinned. In other words, you f- you failed. You f- you failed. In other words, and so Moses recognizes that because it says he was afraid, and that that fear comes into his life. You know, and this is something to keep in the back of your mind. How fear within Moses's life plays a factor because it says that he was afraid, and so he realizes that the Pharaoh must have known this. He the Pharaoh for sure knows what what I did. And so verse verse 15 says, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Wow. Now he got his second attempt to be killed. The first one was when he he burned. Now he has his second attempt to be killed. Twice already, right there. Yeah, it's it's again. Now we see him. First, he's already living in exile because he was removed from his family. But now we see him stepping into a second exile, and both times we see him confronted with the same thing: death. the 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 threat of death is the only thing that can essentially cause him to exile. And and look at that pattern, how it repeats. Genesis 3, the model of the garden, it says when sin entered, then they were faced with death. Yes. There was no longer eternal life because that was the design of the garden. So here we see how, you know, those literary patterns and even Moses beautifully laying it out in that structure of how here, now he is also faced with death as he is being exiled. When Adam and Eve left the garden and left exile, then they, of course, were now, eventually they were going to die. And it was were, like a sentence of death. Sentence to death, exactly. That's pretty much what it, what it was, kind of like, you know, they were about to die. And it's in, so interesting there because you, you ask yourself, dang, our boy Moses, was, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> first and foremost, you see that he identifies with this slave nation with the with the nation of Israel with these these group of people that are being oppressed these group of people that are on the bottom of society these group of people that are neglected these group of people that as we saw the egyptian was abusing the hebrew and if you go and read the first chapter of exodus it literally describes how the nation was being oppressed and so you see the posture of a prince Instead of, you know, in his own identity, allowing his identity to be, hey, I am a prince. No, he saw himself as a slave. He identified more with them than he did with the, than the office of a prince. Already there, he was showing how he was connected to the people. He was willing to 
connect with them on a more practical level. He was not distanced from society, from their society. He was actually connected to them because that was, was his origin. He was born as a Jew and he acknowledged that, that that was part of his identity. Yet he also, part of his identity is not only that culturally, but that that impulse that he has to kill, that impulse that he has whenever he sees an injustice to stand up for it, that's also part of his identity. This desire for justice, this desire for being pure, this desire for seeing something that was wrong and standing up for it. That That's what makes him unique. That's what causes him to stand out in the story, but is what ultimately causes him to then be exiled. It's what causes him to then spend you know, this time fleeing into Midian, this whole new region, this whole new, in other words, country, in other words, because he grew up in the palace and was immediately stripped from all the protection of the palace and thrusted into the danger and the turmoil of the desert. He was a foreigner, in other words. He was removed because of what he did. In this case, try to take matters into his own hands standing up for justice in what he thought was right, which at the end of the day, the two Jews who then confronted him told him and confronted him and realized that that was really not what justice is. Justice is not taking matters into your own hands and killing someone for what they did because they asked him, so then what, are you going to also kill us? And he doesn't kill them. If he, quote unquote, was to uphold justice and the true wrong was one brother hitting the other, then he should have killed one of the Hebrews too. But there we see that he's confronted with the fact that he doesn't have a clear definition of that justice. He wants to help. That's his desire. That's what's born within him. But at the same time, he doesn't know how to effectively do that. He doesn't know what is it that really is causing him to be like, that's not right. That, that's not okay. And that's very interesting, the position of those two Hebrews, because if we can say, you know, if we take for them that what Moses did killing the Egyptian, you know, it was protecting, kind of like protecting the Jew, protecting one of his brothers. But now the next day they're fighting and they say, you know what, what you did was wrong, Moses. It was not right. Even if you thought you're protecting or, or people, that was wrong. That's kind of like, for me, it's like the position of those two brothers, it was used to, to bring something to Moses right there. And sometimes that's what, that's what happened to us. Something is going to bring us to that position because if we, if we bring this in the, in, in the times we're living, we all, we're always looking for justice, to do, to do what is right and not to do what is wrong. That was kind of like, you know, Moses' position to be, and that. I mean, was that really his position, though? Because we don't know if that was really what he was thinking. Why, why didn't he choose to not kill one of the Jews? I think, like, like, just, you know, like we said, he was, he noticed, he thought nobody saw him, but now he's confronted with the truth. Yeah, we saw what you did. It was not right. There's this, in other words, recognition that there's a true justice within Moses's character, within his definition, that he is not really being he what he once thought was his motivation was a proper motivation. But now he's confronted and realizes, you're right, I shouldn't have killed someone. I shouldn't have taken that as my action. But yet that 
innate desire for justice is still within him because if we re go ahead and read the later story, when he's in Midian, there's another interesting story in verse 16 where it says, Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs, to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to the rescue and watered their flock. So even in the midst of this foreign environment, even in the midst of a, a time where he's in exile, he's now uh, in again in this foreign land. He's in Midian. He was first in Egypt. Now he's in Midian. But even there, he sees an injustice take place. He sees these girls being, in other words, bullied, taken advantage of when they're just trying to fill up the well. And he comes in and steps in. Again, if you can see there that there's this innate desire and there's this innate just within him that he knows what is right versus he knows what is wrong. He sees this going on and says, hey, I got to do something and I got to come in and help them. And that's what he does. And that innate, in, that innate characteristic within Moses is something that stands out so much. It's something that I don't think is very it's not present in many other characters throughout the bible it's not something that you could say oh daniel had an innate thirst for justice oh joseph had an innate thirst for justice or for equality or for seeing things carried out on an equal way everyone else was kind of just following along following the plan of god for the what he had in their life even with abraham we don't see anything of a clear desire for justice but somehow there's this character called Moses, who has displayed now to us three times this, anytime he sees something going on, he stands up and he's like, wait, I have something to say about this. Oh, I think I, I, I that's not right. I got to do something about it. We see this innate characteristic within where he has a desire for justice. Although sometimes he doesn't do the best with it. And as we saw, he commits murder he's essentially a murderer and that's what his brothers from the jewish faith identify them like hey bro you're a murderer are you gonna kill us too the same way you killed that guy so even though he didn't do the right thing because it's never good to kill anyone we still see that in other words his motivation was still in the right place he was kind of it was a it was a bad thing that he did right but yet still his motivation was pure his intentions were pure and that's something that is so remarkable in the story of Moses because if after this encounter that he has in Midian he ends up essentially having this time that he spends with Jethro Jethro is the man who we is described as the priest of Midian and so he gives his daughters to Moses and so now we see that Moses is blessed in this land that he was once a foreigner in simply because of his desire for righteousness, for justice, to stand up and say, I'm going to do the right thing. He's then blessed. Of course, part of the Abrahamic covenant was, I will bless those who bless you. Here we see that God is employing and using that same blessing on the life of Moses. And it, and that's you know that's something that's so interesting. It's something that... I was sitting here and trying to understand why is what makes him so unique, what makes him so different? Why is it that Moses stands out more than any of these characters? Why is it that Jesus himself chooses to acknowledge Moses as one of the greatest prophets of all time? Obviously, we know a lot of his success. We know a lot of his big feats, but not many people take the time to go back and look at his history, look at his upbringing, look at 
prior to him being the great, prior to him being the almighty, prior to him being one of the greatest, most influential leaders of all time, he still had to spend some time figuring some things out. He had some innate things within his life that just simply were not lining up. He was a prince, but he never felt like a prince. He was never, ever reunited with his original family after he was separated from them. So there was this always longing within him, this internal struggle of, hey, I'm a prince, but the reality is that I, my people, are slaves. Hey, I'm here in the palace and I see these two people doing something that I don't think is right. I have to stand up. I have to do something about it. His, what makes Moses so unique is not only the fact that he never once felt at peace with who he was, but the fact that he also had this innate internal compass that was always telling him, hey, Moses, you got to do the right thing. You got to stand up for what is right. You got to basically what you believe, do it. And, it, and it's something that was critical to him. It's something that is so unique to the characteristics of Moses because really no other character from the other ones that we've addressed up to this point have displayed this category, have demonstrated these innate desire and this innate quench for justice. And it, it, was, it was something that was so interesting. It was something that I was, we were preparing for this. A lot of people sometimes often highlight the greatest, the best parts of Moses' life. But if you don't take the time to realize what led him to that point, you can oftentimes overlook and miss out some of the most valuable information within his story which is that from a very early age, he always was marked with something different. He was always marked with that innate desire to do what is right. In other words, an innate desire for righteousness. And at the end of the day, you know, you can attribute all of his success, regardless of what he may and went on to do. Some of his encounters were good. There's a lot of good things about Moses. Obviously, we know that he goes on to become one of the liberators he is the liberator of the people of Israel. He goes before Pharaoh. He casts, he issues all these plagues. He, the famous quote of, hey, let my people go. All of that is part of Moses' life. But yet here in his early career, we see some of the most pivotal and formational periods of his life. This story and this time that he spends in Midian is, lit, is what sets him up for the next one of the next biggest stories in, in the story of Moses, which was his encounter at the burning bush. If you've read that story before, and we'll probably break it down later on in more detail as to what it goes into, but it is was essentially the point that turned Moses' life. It's the point where, again, the people of Israel were being oppressed. They were being taken advantage of. The Egyptians were these fierce, harsh, intense rulers, and never once... Did God take his eye off of the people of Israel? Because if we read in verse Exodus chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 25, verse 23, it says that during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. The posture of God there in verse 25 says, So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. 
if we read verse 11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. He says that he saw them in their hard labor. Verse 25 says, so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned. Here we see essentially this parallel in between Moses and God. And what's the, what's the tying factor between them? The people. As we mentioned before with Moses, he was a prince in the courts of Pharaoh, but never once did he identify as the Egyptians being his people. No, he, the author of Exodus, says that my people are the Hebrew. So right there, his posture was already, I am a Hebrew. I My heart is with them. But second to that, when he saw an injustice being carried out on one of them, he was concerned and took action. Obviously, it's funny because we know the story of Exodus and the great story that it counts is that Moses liberates the people of Israel. We know how it, the story ends. But here we see that he was chosen because of one specific factor, and that is in the way that he approached and his mindset towards the people. He was not viewing the people in a perspective of separation, although he was a prince, but rather he was a prince who was willing to humble himself, someone who would remove his position, in other words, not care that he's a prince, and do something to stand up for his people. You know, and that, that's such a poetic thing. That's such a, a, there's a beautiful parallel we talked about in a couple episodes about these Christophanies or these Theophanies. It reminds us so much of the language used to describe in the New Testament, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the same literal language used to describe Jesus. Moses was a prince himself, but a prince who chose to give up his position and instead was led into exile, was led into Midian was led into this unknown territory where he still upheld his internal compass of what was right and wrong. He could have sat there and let those girls, who knows, killed, robbed. They, it says that they had their camels, that they had belongings. But instead, even though everything that had happened behind him, he had been fleeing from the Pharaoh because he had just killed an Egyptian. He had been confronted by his own people who didn't accept him. They were like, what, are you going to kill us the same way you killed the Jew? They like, confronted him and they're like, hey, bro, you don't even belong with us. Even though all of that that he went through, those two little encounters, then there's this third scene where he still shows and he does what is right. And, and that is ultimately the highlight of, of these little of this story of chapter two. Specifically, we've only we're only a couple verses into the story of Moses, but yet there's these such deep and fundamental truths that when we start to break down the character of Moses, we start to see that he was defined by these unique characteristics. Yes, he eventually becomes one of the greatest leaders of all time, but he wasn't always the greatest leader of all time. At one point, he was a murderer, right? And it's, it's extremely intentional in the Bible when it talks about sin. And sin is a conversation that in nowadays, people don't want to talk about that. People don't want to bring it up into conversation. But the reality is that, you know, it describes sin in the Bible as whether it's the smallest thing or the biggest thing, it's still the same. Whether you are a murderer or whether you chose to take a dollar from your mom's bag you're doing the same thing. It, it's the same. And the reality is that oftentimes in our life, whether you are 
15 years old, whether you're 21 years old, whether you're 35 years old, there's this thing that we're confronted with. There's this giant, you know, when I was growing up, my mom used to call it the monkey on your shoulder. There's this always this constant desire or this constant pull in this direction that oftentimes leads us into negative paths. Right here with Moses, he saw an injustice, and even though in his heart he thought it was the right thing, it was not the right thing. There could be so many things in our lives that we might get into it thinking, hey, this is the right thing, but then it turns out, oh, I actually made a mistake. And then you're set into this spiral. You're set into this period where you're cast out into the desert, and you're stuck being like, oh, snap, what do I do now? Some people get stuck in that zone. Some people get confronted with, hey, I was going one direction in my life and I thought I was going to do something and I thought what I was doing was right. At the end of the day, Moses grew up in the palace of the Pharaoh as a prince. He technically did nothing wrong up until that point. He was great. He was blessed. But then as soon as that innate desire within him to do what he thought was right turns wrong, his whole life flips upside down. Maybe you've gone and made the wrong investments. Maybe you've gone in and started a business. Maybe you've gone and who knows, entered a relationship, started a friendship that you later on down the line, you realize, hey, I came into this thinking I was doing the right thing. But then you're confronted with a brother who says, so are you going to kill me now the same way you killed him? How, how far in your life are you going to sometimes allow yourself to go before you get caught with the realization to say, hey, what I did was wrong. It says that Moses was afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of who? Obviously afraid of the Pharaoh, of what the consequence might be. But I, I, I choose to kind of bridge the gap there. If we know what we know about Moses and we know that he was someone who grew up in Hebrew, in the Jewish faith, and in other words, he might have heard of God or he might have not heard of God. That's not the point. But the point here is that he knew he made a mistake. He knew that killing someone was not the correct thing to do, so he runs away. But yet, despite him falling, despite him making a, a, a fatal error, instead of that choosing to set him down a negative spiral where his life never recovers, where maybe he, end, he could have ended up becoming a drug-addicted person, he could have ended up becoming an alcoholic, he could have ended up becoming someone who is 30 years old and is still not married. Who knows? What could have happened to Moses when he left to Midian? But the story tells us that he was sitting at the well and he saw an injustice and he chose to stand up for it. In other words, his internal compass, no matter how far away he was removed, no matter how far in exile he was, there was one thing within him that never, ever, ever left him. And that was his innate desire and his innate motivation to do what was right, to protect, to relate, to come in and, and not only protect these girls, but then it says that he also served their camel's water. So not only to just protect them, but to also give them something back. The posture of verse 25 of Exodus 2 says, so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned. And for, and, and you know, you think about that and how beautiful is that to think, man, God was concerned about the nation of Israel. 
I don't know what what that might look like today, but there's there's a peace and there's a comfort in knowing that God is still concerned about us today. He's still interested in what we're doing. He he's still God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So his heart for humanity has not changed. He saw that these people of Israel, it says that they cried out to him and that their slavery went up and that that is something that caught God's attention. God is still doing the same thing today. We are in a world filled with so much injustice, so much corruption, so much hatred that there literally is oftentimes anytime you go on the news or turn on the TV, you just see so much negativity, so much backlash, so much, oh, this versus that. Oh, this is right. This is wrong. In other words, you see a lot of injustice going around. You can name it. You could turn it on. You can go on Instagram. You can go on Facebook and there's no shortage of it. And the reality is that the world that we've come to be in, whether you've realized this or not, I don't know how much better things are going to get. If anything, you know, not to sound sad or sound depressive or anything, but we are living in a time where, if anything, things might continue to get worse. We were talking about the economy at the beginning of the episode. We were talking about a bunch of different things. We're in a state where we, the nation has never been more divided than it has ever been. If anything, slavery doesn't exist in the United States anymore, but there are some systems that are still in place in our country that might as well be as bad as slavery. Things like socioeconomic disparities, things within even our education system, injustices within the workforce, there's no shortage, shortage of wickedness in the world. That, like, that's not what we're here. We're not here to give a platform to the negativity. But what I want to highlight here is that there's the potential within us as individuals to stand up for what is right, to stand up for what we think if we see an injustice, to not necessarily have to keep our mouth shut. Because the reality is that we, if we choose to call ourselves believers, if we choose to call ourselves people who have been born again, or even if you choose not to label yourself that way, the guiding principle of our faith, of what we choose to believe in, and when we choose to say that, hey, we believe in Jesus, Jesus taught one thing, which is that you must treat thy neighbor as you wish to be treated. This, this law of equality and this law of justice is a principle that is established from the beginning of time. It's the most ancient principle of all, which is to love others the way you wish to be loved. People in modern day society call it the golden rule. They call it the, the, the catch-all, the, the one that, hey, you know what? If you do that, yeah, that makes you a good person. Guess what? There's so many bad people out in the world today that maybe it's time that we start to shift our mindset a little bit and think, hey, it's okay to be a good person. You know, shockers, they looked at, they looked at Moses and his own, fr his own people, the people who he identified told him, hey, what you're doing is wrong. But at the end of the day, while it was wrong what Moses did, his intention perhaps wasn't. We're good. It, it, it's not that he was going and killing the man just because he wanted to kill him because he liked blood. He was doing it because he saw an injustice. Yeah. And, you know, that's more to speak on Moses's character 
you know, there maybe there's people and you might identify you're a little bit too, you get hyped up. You get a little bit too rowdy. You see something and you're like, hey, I got to stand up for that right here, right now. And you pick a fight. <laughs> yeah. We're not telling you to go pick no, fights, no, 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 no. nor are we telling you to go kill an Egyptian. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying here is if we choose to take a different lens just for a second and we start to say, okay, let's break down the mindset behind one of the greatest, most influential leaders of their time one of the most greatest leaders even beyond their time, what made their mindset different? And if, if, if I were to pick apart just, you know, these first couple pages of what we see, if there's one thing that we see within Moses is that innate, just, you can say it and it might sound generic, but he was a good guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, there's, there's not a simpler way to put that, but more than anything, his heart was aligned with what was right. One other thing I think I was sharing with you uh, out, out of um, when we started the podcast, uh, that one of the characteristics of God is justice. He's a God of justice. And we see Moses with the same characteristic. He, he, he was really looking for a justice, but probably did it in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, like how many times, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of many times, you know, like I, I think about this. I was, I was like one time I was a little kid and I was walking and, you know, there's a lot of 7-Elevens here in Redwood City, but there's one 7-Eleven near the church where we grew up to that's a little bit sketchier than the average 7-Eleven. Oh, I know it's, which one you're talking about. It's, it's not the cleanest. It's not the, <laughs> so the point is there were often times like these homeless people who would crowd near this 7-Eleven. Always. They still. And one time I remember I, I was a little kid. I had I used to make money burning CDs with my grandma and we would sell them to hermanas at church. So I had some money and I was going to 7-Eleven. I was going to go buy myself some hot Cheetos, some soda. I was a chubby kid. So, you know, I was happy. I was like, I got my <laughs> 20 bucks, which to a kid at the time, it, it was, was a lot. lot of money. Yeah. You know, you could buy a couple of things, but I was like, whoo, I'm going to get everything that I want. But then I was walking and I see this old guy, this this homeless guy. And I look at him and I don't know, like I grew up in church. I had heard, you know, oh, if you want to be a nice person and you oh, want to do yeah. the right thing, you should give help the homeless. Dale al necesitado al que no tiene. It's be, a, be a Samaritan. Be a Samaritan, yeah. right? Help. Do something yeah. good. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that today. I'm going I'm to I'm be good. And so I felt so good because I was like, man, you know what? I want my chips. I want my thing. But I'm going to give him out of my 20, I'm going to give him $15. And I'm a, I'm a, only You're left with five. five bucks. Yeah, wow. I was like, I'm gonna give him all of that, and I'm only gonna be left with five bucks. And maybe I'll only be able to buy my stuff this time and not next time. But I'm gonna want to be a good person, is what I thought in my brain. And then all of a sudden, I go up to him, and I'm a little kid, and I'm scared. I'm like, oh, oh I've never Especially done this because you're getting close to homeless. Yeah, and I was a little bit chubbier, so I wasn't like too too scared because the guy was like short and like you know he didn't look like he was gonna hurt me. So I just went up to him and I'm like, hey, um, I don't know if you need this or not, but here, like, here's some money and you can you know you can have your the money. I didn't know what to say, so I just gave it to him, and then I walked inside of Seven Eleven, and I walk in. You know, I'm like, man, I feel good. I'm all happy. I'm like, man, I did the right thing. Cool. I'm buying my chips. I'm buying my soda. And then all of a sudden, I see the guy come in, and he goes straight to the back of the 7-Eleven where the freezers are, and he grabs two beers. Mm, okay. He grabs 
two beers and I look and I, I, I'm in line. I'm, you know, I'm paying and he stands in line like one other person behind me. And, but I was able to see like, oh, he got beers and I didn't know that beers were cheap. I, you know, I was a little kid. Yeah. I thought, oh, and alcohol must be expensive. I gave him enough money to buy food or something. But I, that was your intention yeah, to buy food. I was buying food. Yeah. I was buying chips. You didn't expect that he was going to go and buy some beer. I was buying chips. So I was like, oh, he's going to come in and buy bread or buy yeah. chips or whatever. I'm like, cool. Like, I feel happy. Yeah. And then I saw that he had these these cans. And then I didn't. I couldn't really pay attention to what they were. I didn't know it was beer at the time. So then I waited And I stood outside and I told him like, hey, hey, like what you get? Or like, you know, like what you did ask you? <laughs> I asked him, yeah, because he saw me wow. and he was like, oh, thank you so much. Like uh -huh. he was really nice. And so I was like, because, you know, it's a homeless person. You're yeah. giving them money. Of course, they're like, man, this is awesome. And so he, he thanked me and then he walked out. He had his bike, his whole cart and everything. And then I, I looked at him and I had my chips and everything. I was like, hey, like, what did you get to eat is what I asked him. He's like, oh, no, buddy, this, this you don't eat this. You drink this, but you're too young for this. You shouldn't be buying this is what he told me. Mm -hmm. And then he just left. And I, and I got stuck in that moment. And I looked at now, years later, those are huge cans. Yeah. They don't sell that for anything but beer and alcohol. So I was just like, I looked at him in that moment and- I thought that I had been doing something good in my own intentions. What I quote thought was, hey, that's right. Let me give to this guy who needs help. But I really, what I ended up doing him was providing him an opportunity to go and hurt himself even more. Yeah. Because who knows if that's what he really needed. And later on, years later, I learned that there's better ways to do that. You go and you taught me one time, buy them food and give it to them because That's what they need. They, if you give them money, they're going to return back into their... So like this concept was just burning in my brain. And I was like, maybe I wasn't like Moses. Maybe I didn't kill the Egyptian. But in other words, I gave that guy two beers. When in my heart, I was simply trying to give so him you, money. You had the right intention. But the, outcome, much, the outcome was, was negative. Yeah. Right, I see. Yeah, and so anybody could have been anybody from the outside would be like, "Hey, you shouldn't have given him money. You shouldn't have given him but money." But you, all, by yourself, I was by myself. Okay, yeah, I used to go to Seven Eleven by myself. Like it was normal thing for me. So like I would buy candy or whatever. And so like no one told me. I was like, "Oh, I, I thought of doing." Anybody other adult would be like, "No le des el dinero." You don't know what they're because it's common. Yeah, yeah. You don't give someone like that money because most likely that's what they're gonna end up doing if they're addicted or alcoholics or whatever it might be. I basically gave him the gun to go and shoot himself. You know, who knows what he went and did. And that happens, you know, that happens. Like the other day I went with your mom uh, to this restaurant here in Middlefield and this guy came to us right there and said, you know, can you give me money? And I said to your mom, you know, go and, and, and buy him, you know, something to eat. And he was going to, no, I want the money. No, yeah, you'll get, say you, that. You, yeah. you will get something to eat because if that's what you want. And yeah, we went and got him food and he was walking. And then later he came back and said, thank you, thank you. And yeah. we, I, I myself, I felt good because I knew that he needed to eat. In other words, you know, we're applying these concepts of not because we're the best no, people oh, in no, the no, world, but it's, no, 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 no. we're thinking we want to treat others yes. the way we wish to be treated. Yes. But yet sometimes that, you know, you never know what might be the outcome of that. Here, Moses, he didn't expect the outcome to be when he approached the two Jewish people. He probably thought, hey, I'm going to break up the fight. 
I'm gonna be cool. I, I, I'm, I'm preventing violence. But then they are like, hey, get out of here, bro. You're not the boss. So sometimes you go in thinking that what you're doing is right, but then you're caught with, whew, different my, story. A whole the different story. The outcome is negative. But at the end of the day, what made him so unique is that desire yeah, for justice. Yeah, didn't stop him to keep doing. To do good. Yes. Like maybe it, he fell. Maybe he made the mistake once. Oh, man, I shouldn't have regué. killed. Because at the end of the day, who am I yeah. to take life? But that did not stop him in his encounter that he had in the will. And, you know, there's no coincidences when we write this, but Moses wrote this. Yeah. He's, he's writing Exodus, you know? He's the author of the first five books of the Bible. You can only imagine what he was thinking when he was writing that, you know? And so... <laughs> yeah. It was that, intentional. It is intentional. And that's what we do yeah. here on Into the Waves. What we yes. do is we break... We try to look a little bit deeper because, you know, just in just to open up my heart and I was wrestling with these concepts of like, it's something that God has been really pushing us in this direction. And we talk a lot about this off podcast, but I feel like there's a lot of young, capable individuals. Maybe you, even if you're not young, whatever it might be, just capable individuals who are called for more in, in who listen to our podcast. If, if you're listening to this, you might identify with being like, yeah, you're right. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm in my life, but Yeah, I feel like I, I I got more, you know, and that's a great thing. That's a great stirring that you have in your heart that that at the end of the day, as we saw with Moses, God was with him since the start. He was blessed. He was blessing him. He was supposed to die. Yeah. He was the only one from his generation that survived, right? You know, we know that he has other brothers. We'll get into that in the story. But within him, he was the only one. And so you might ask yourself, man, I feel like maybe in my life where I'm going through right now, maybe you're like Moses. And at one point you were grinding, you were super good. You were super productive and you were like, man, yeah, I'm doing good. Like, yeah, I, I protected that, that Jewish guy from being abused. Yeah. Good for me. Pat on the back. But then you might be in the next phase where you try to do the same thing. You try to help someone and then they come at you like, bro, you're over here trying to help me. But reality is you're a hypocrite, bro. Yeah or a girl, whatever it might be, like either one of those two steps where you might find yourself at, the key factor there was what ended up happening at the end. Even though Moses made those two steps, made those quote-unquote errors, he never lost his identity. Mm, that's beautiful, yes. Which was established from the start. Yes, on the outside, he might have been a prince. That might have been the label. Those might have been the shoes that he wore. That might be the coat that he choose to put on. That might be the label that you choose to put on your the name title, tag. Probably. That might choose to be the description on your Instagram. You choose to put, I'm a Christian, follower of God on your Instagram. But then when he was confronted with his identity of when they told him, hey, mm. are you going to kill me now? Um. He was he was in this identity conflict. Yes. He was like, oh, you're right. I'm not doing what I need to be doing. Right. But that the fact that he is able to catch himself, to have that introspective mindset, I think that's so valuable. We can apply that apply that to our own mindset. If if you know you might be going through different situations in your job where you're encountering your interactions with your colleagues and you ask yourself, am I being a good witness to these people? Or or are they also coming at me the way that Jews and came sometimes at Sometimes they might call you out, probably. Exactly. Or are they the ones saying, Hey, bro, you're not 
who puts you in charge because yeah. of how you're living? Yeah. Moses was confronted with yeah. the fact of his identity yeah. was not where it needed to be. And and it's not to diss on Moses because like I'm we opened up the whole podcast talking about we're gonna get into his success and some of the most literally why is he known as the most influent yeah. one of the most influential leaders literally one of the more powerful stories in the bible is when jesus is in the mountain of transfiguration yep matthew 17 matthew chapter 17 one of the most pivotal moments in yep. the entire christian faith and yet moses was there it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was there he was there yeah. so you're like okay you know, if this is something that you might be feeling a stirring in your heart saying, man, like you might be like Moses where your background and your context is not the most beautiful. At the end of the day, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but remember his, his, his birthhood, the way he was born was through incest. Like it was, it was not yet written in the 10 commandments, obviously because Moses is the one who brought the 10 commandments, but like, what Moses was trying to get us to understand, we only read a couple verses, yet look at how much insight we're yeah. getting poured into his life. Because we're trying to get our, we're, I'm trying to get us to understand the following, which is that your background and the way that you were brought up doesn't always determine your future. Yes. That's the first thing here that we've been talking about yes, with yes, Daniel, yes. With, Mo, with Joseph, that the culture... In this case, Moses was thrusted into a society where they didn't want him to be alive. And yet he was alive. That's the first thing. But in addition to that, not only did he feel like that whole thing was against him, but even internally, he never really felt like he belonged. You know, you might have lived your whole life, you know, with one way of thought, with one way of thinking that heavily, heavily, heavily motivated you. Maybe you thought, whatever. X, Y, Z, you name it, a certain mindset that you might have had for years that you grew up thinking, hey, this is what's right. This is this is what's right. I know what's right. I know what's right. I know what's right. But then you get reach a point where in doing what you think is right, and then you're constantly confronted with, oh, snap. The reality is I thought it was right, but it wasn't truly righteous. That's what it is. Truly righteous it's right to me yes but is it really righteous yes that's that's the question we we can ask ourselves we can apply to our mindsets there's a beautiful writing by paul in espanol dice todo me es lícito mm. pero no todo me es beneficio yes i am allowed to do, paul writes in the new testament yeah. i am allowed to do all things because we were created with free will yes i could do it I could go right now and go and do whatever types of things you want to think about. Name it. Any of the things on the Ten Commandments that it tells me not to do, I could go and do them. But Paul says, is it really beneficial? No. Because what it's doing, it's creating a separation. It's causing you to be exiled. It's causing you to be pushed out. When Moses committed that act of murder, it led him to exile. In other words, leads him to separation. When we saw... Adam and Eve exiled from the garden, mm. we know that it leads to death. Wow. You just thought you just thought something very powerful. You just say the word separation. God deals in terms of separation. Yeah. I don't know what position you are. I don't know. Maybe you feel separated from things. Yeah. Maybe you feel disassociated, yes. detached. 
you're going through your life and you're like, I, I, I have my wife. I love her, but I don't feel like I'm connecting with her. Like, why am I feeling so distant? Why do I feel like I'm in exile? And it's not because maybe you and your brain, you thought what you're doing is right, but you got to come yeah, in with right. a little bit of alignment. That's and right. Ask yourself, is it right or is it righteous? And it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, it <laughs> Don't is. get me wrong. Like, it is. Uh, I'm over here saying it. It is. But I'm going to go back and listen to this, and I'm going to ask myself those questions too. If what am I doing is right to me, if I'm justifying it, if I'm using my brain to say, yeah, go ahead, do it. You're good, bro. Yep. Kill the Egyptian. It's justice. Or am I taking a moment to stop and think, okay, am I really being righteous right now? Am I being and am stepping into justice? Am I being just? Am I treating others the way I wish to be treated? Or am I executing my own definition of justice? The two Jews ask him, who made you judge over us? Mm -hmm. Yep. Who are you to judge me? Yep. Is what they were telling they him. Were yes. And I'm here to tell you, who are you to judge the world? Who am I to judge the world? I get it. There's so many things we can disagree with. So many things. Name it. You can open up anything right now and we could talk about it. Hot topic issues. Abortion. Ukraine. Politics. Finances. I can name any single thing and we can have a debate about it. But the question is, what is right versus what is righteous? That, that's a simple yes. question. It's a simple little thing that we can apply to our mindset but we're going to start to discover that that's the central question that moses continued to ask himself any time that he went out throughout his life any time that he went out and continued to carry out we're going to break down sort of what he leads into and sort of some of the greatest feats that he accomplishes but this is a central concept that was always unique to moses is that there was this central driving compass within him that always pointed to what is right. That always pointed back to a position of being just, what is just before the eyes of God. Secondly, it always led him to a position of identifying who he was. It led him to truly ask, who am I? As we'll later get yes. on to read in one of the most beautiful descriptions, in my opinion, of the whole Bible of a man encountering God. Yeah. The story of the burning bush. He asks, who am I? A question relating to his identity. So this week we leave you with those two questions. What is right versus what is righteous? Ask yourself. Anytime. It doesn't have to be right. You could be driving 80 miles per hour on the freeway and be like, man, I'm about to be late. I'm going to try to push in 95. Is that right? Sure. You're going to get to work on time. But is it righteous? Yeah. Are you allowing certain things to come into your life that are then separating you, causing you to be exiled, but you don't even know why? Especially you have a big sticker behind your car and say you're a Christian. Exactly. <laughs> and, you're, and then you're going to have people who are your brothers, who are from your circle, start to ask questions. And that's the worst. Yeah. That's the worst when your people who are around you start to point the finger, mm. when they're like, hey, didn't you say this, but you're, oh... That yeah. gets that that confronts you, it, it, and it it is what it is. It's real. It's real. Yeah, and that's what this is. 
this is real life. This is knowledge that we want to use to extrapolate and apply every single day that we go out through our life. And this is just the start of the story. It is. We're going to start to break down a little bit more into his mindset and how we can take some valuable, valuable lessons from this and extremely valuable concepts and apply it to our own life, to our own leadership and apply it to how we view the world. And that's basically it. That's all that we want to leave you guys on this cliffhanger. Your homework for this week is to go back and read Exodus chapter one, read Exodus chapter two. That's kind of what we read today, but we encourage you guys. It's going to get good. And we have so much more coming in store down the line. It is. It's almost as if we're planning it, you know. <laughs> but like, stay in touch with us. Stay connected and with share, us. Share the podcast with somebody that can be, you know, beneficial that they can go and listen. Yeah. And uh, you know, what is and uh, the email once again? Somoswave at gmail dot com. Yeah. You can write to us and uh, just say hello. Instagram, Instagram, DM, yep, all of that sort all of stuff. All the stuff. So, manténganse en la ola. Manatiling. Mahon. And as always, y'all gotta stay wavy, bruh. I don't know if y'all staying wavy. I'm still waiting to to, to uh, meet Kevin. Kevin to really Bautista. to really say that in Tagalo. Oh yeah, he'd love it. He'd love it. But yeah, as always, we tell you guys, stay wavy, stay blessed. We love you guys, and we will catch you guys next week. A bless next you. Have a nice weekend. Bye, y'all. Bye.